0: Okay, so a quick programming note. Um, this morning, I saw a large spider at my desk, and it escaped when I tried to crush it. So, if I hang up or go on mute for a while, you will know why. Should we just should we cancel the show? Are you sure you're going to be okay to continue? I think we'll play it by year. I mean, is, this has been the year of living dangerously, and <laughs> you know what? I don't know. Maybe I. I hope the spider's gotten a chance to get his first shot. That's all I care about. <laughs> um is is pfizer approved for spiders i don't know who knows spiders are resilient (laughs) (laughs) They 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 refuse to die they're always there okay like the app store fees okay so Mm. uh the real opening uh hey should we we click record that's fine i don't know how this became my job (laughs) i saw like you edit the show uh so the Hamilton soundtrack still gets a, oh speaking of shots uh, the Hamilton soundtrack still gets um, a decent rotation um, in my spotify uh, liked songs, which is basically all I ever listened to. but there's a lyric in one of the best songs on the soundtrack that I think is very pertinent this week, which is do you remember which song is the best song
1: um well, my personal favorite song is nonstop, which is the last song of the first act.
0: oh, I don't actually remember that one which what's that one?
1: It's sort of just a recap of the first act.
0: Is it very melodic?
1: It it's got a nice mix of all the different songs from mm. the from the first half, first part. Um all kind of blended together.
0: It's good. Gotcha. Okay, I'll have to bookmark that. Um Yeah, so the, the, the one of the best songs that probably I don't know, maybe maybe number two, number three is uh called Burn, and I think this mm. week, um you know what? Apple shareholders married an Icarus that have flown clus- uh, too close to the sun, and in this example, Phil Schiller is Icarus. How long have you been sitting on that uh since uh I was stuck on the 101 uh, forty five minutes ago <laughs> no it, it's fairly fresh okay uh, since I, uh, since i'm it's been I think almost two months since I've willingly used Twitter, so this is where all those stu- what would normally be a stupid tweet goes Mm. got it i think that would have gotten upwards of three stars or three faves so anyway yeah um this is apple stuff Uh, i know we have follow-up to get to but yeah that's that's exciting i'm 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 uh, it it's been a rough time of um i feel i feel it's a good the contrast they had a they had a, a very good quarter because they finally pretended to care about certain product categories and i'm i'm happy that there's some part of this that hopefully takes them down a peg but that's a it's a teaser for um mm. what is this? oh wait yeah, what would you call it uh, the second act
1: right the second part i think yeah
0: well no this is the part right before or this is after that'll be the part after intermission where you can all go uh, do a spin drift break or um some heavy <laughs> drops whatever you got to do
1: or where you, you know, you realize you don't have cash to uh, tip the bartender.
0: You know, it's okay. I, 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 I uh, anyway, but we, we one day need to organize like an introduction of like uh, our top three or five episodes for the yeah. listeners and create kind of a, you know, a wiki for that. And I think that's probably <laughs> one of the top ones. Cause again, it's, it's, you know, it's shameful and that's, that those are the best episodes.
1: That very much sounds like a Carlos project.
0: That uh, very much sounds like uh um I got a lot of projects already in the air. <laughs>
1: how many? Um, how many numbers are in your badge icon for OmniFocus?
0: Four, because earlier okay. today I hit uh the <laughs> I, I did I did my um you know plus, let's plus let's call one it day. no no let's call it self care. <laughs> um also uh, could be like productivity heroin. Uh as you just you just uh, like people say on YouTube you just mash the one day button or smash the like button. Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. Uh. So yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff that's kicked down the road. Oh, Sunday, May 9th looks pretty busy with a bunch of shit. I'm not going (laughs) to do. Um. Okay. So fall, I' gonna be honest. It's it's been a week where my mind's been elsewhere, so I honestly don't know what any of this is.
1: Uh, that's fine. I mean, we can we can talk about whatever you want to here. These are. Oh, I'm
0: I'm sure this is very valuable stuff. I just don't remember any of this Oh yeah, we skipped a week too. We did. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what this is. So what's what's the, there's some smart home stuff.
1: Um, yeah, so I guess so. some quick FU. So there has been this project chip thing that's been floating out there, which is this, what does this stand for? It's Project Connected Home Over IP. Someone's very proud of that acronym out there. Uh, oh, actually, and the the Verge article even calls it out as the awkwardly named but interesting smart home partnership, <laughs> which is an apt description. Um, it's being led by basically all the major smart home players: Apple, Amazon, Google, and as this Verge article calls out, over 170 other companies. And the the goal is to basically standardize. Smart home devices, where everything will allegedly just kind of work with everything else. It's it's all been very vague because there haven't actually been any products that have shipped that formally use this, and there really hasn't been any sort of like formal description of how all this is going to work. But but the the follow up here is that that allegedly is going to change. Where I guess there was some. Webinar by the Zigbee Alliance, <laughs> who I guess is also <laughs> related here, a related party words um, that would
0: have meant nothing in nineteen
1: ninety eight yeah um, and the the in that webinar, they said that there should be some devices starting to ship by the end of of this year, and that kind of aligns with some other rumors that have been kicking around out there where there have been some google devices and also the the latest version of the apple tv 4k have all shipped with this thread radio thing which i guess is sort of like some kind of like standard bluetoothy thing that that's is going to be kind of like how devices connect to chip so it it seems like there are devices that are being sort of like seeded out there, and that potentially by the end of this year, this is going to start to come together. I mean, mark me down as someone who's going to believe it when I see it. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. So a couple things. One, I was trying to Google more about this, but apparently, and just a, a quick aside, um, in my personalized Google search history and this is not a previous search but apparently uh, just typing in chip into the address bar uh, brings up chip and Joanna Gaines and chip and Joanna Gaines kids followed thirdly by Chipotle so <laughs> um, those out. were not previous <laughs> not previous searches but yeah I was trying to Google it because I remember because um, I thought the thread radio thing I thought it was like um, a mesh ipv6 like I thought it was Wi-Fi based not bluetooth le well and not, y- and not yeah, i not saying you're wrong I, I have legitimately no idea
1: it's it's whether it's bluetooth wi-fi whatever the the underlying technology is i think it's oh. sort of the
0: so sorry the, yeah go ahead oh just because i have just continued reading the Verge thing, which explains exactly what it is um so it's bluetooth le for setup kind of like you know how with Sono stuff um it has bluetooth if you, if you have something that's not the move A lot of it still has Bluetooth in it, but it's only for the purpose of facilitating an easier setup. Right. So Bluetooth LE for setup, Wi-Fi for high bandwidth stuff, and then thread mesh network for low bandwidth stuff. Interesting um and a few other things so when you mentioned when you read the part about 170 other companies normally you would feel like whenever there's a consortium or a group of companies working on a single thing you think like yeah most of them aren't doing stuff but i feel like there probably are 170 companies making uh stuff for the connected home that doesn't work with each other oh uh, i, I sounds yeah super plausible for sure yeah um and do do you buy the promise of this no Mm-mm. because 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 if, if there is that level of interoperability there's no ecosystem lock-in so i I, f- I feel like this is a nice lofty goal but i guess unless this somehow because this worked for usb because usb and what, what did microsoft call it like on windows 95 and 98 uh, a plug and remember. a plug and play.
1: Oh yeah, 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 that's right. Where,
0: where I feel like USB actually delivered on that promise. Like before, there used to be like you had that funky parallel connector for your print your printer with your dot matrix printer and stuff. Like USB for the most part was fulfilled that goal. So I guess maybe hopefully this could be the wireless solution to that. But I still feel like like I whenever I add like another Hue light or something, I never really understand where which app I'm supposed to go to or <laughs> what makes like I don't know like for it to be addressable by the Echoes, do I have to add it separately to the Alexa app, or I I don't know. So anyway, I, I hope this works.
1: So I have a tangential but but related story oh, here.
0: Did I trigger something? Okay, you did. Yeah.
1: So we talked a couple of months ago now, I guess, about the August Wi-Fi lock,
0: which That's is the the new fancy one, right? Correct.
1: Yeah. So it, like all of August's other products, has HomeKit support, or as the story will reveal here, allegedly has HomeKit support. So when I first set it up, I connected it to HomeKit. It did fail one time, if I remember correctly, but then worked the second time. But then the issue I was having is that after like a few days, it would just become unresponsive. So if I would try to lock or unlock it in the home app or try to ask Siri to do it, it just would say, hey, I, this lock is, is unresponsive. And then like, I'd go to try it a few days later and it'd work again and it just, it just was very unreliable. So I thought, okay, fine, I'll disconnect it from HomeKit, go through the setup process again and, and see if that fixes it. And now when I go to do that, I get an error which just says object not found in the, the setup process in the August app. And that's it. There's no, no suggested resolution. Uh, some quick Google searching and some Reddit thread searching has revealed no, no solution. <laughs> so it just doesn't work. So that's, that's smart home stuff in a nutshell.
0: My, my my priors or my prejudice about HomeKit makes me want to be super pessimistic about this. But I guess my question would be as a troubleshooting step, like, because you, you don't listen to reconcilable differences, but uh, this might have spilled over to ATP, but where uh, Syracuse had a thing where his smart, his smart, smart home... plug thing? Yeah. Yeah. So, and in, in that his thing was it wasn't like home, like it was only HomeKit detectable for a certain while. And I know that's not your your issue at all, but. My question is: Is it? Do you have a way of troubleshooting this without I, basically like factory resetting the lock and just having to redo everything? It's
1: no. So that's every path I've gone down when I've looked into this. The it sounds like the solution that sort of worked for some people is a is a factory reset, um, which is kind of a pain in the ass on the August lock because you have to go through this the Wi-Fi setup process again. Mm-hmm. You then have to go through the calibration process again, and then you also then have to repair it with your keypad,
0: which, I mean, none of that's all that difficult, but... Well, it's disruptive, and also if it ends up like unlinking itself in four weeks again, you're probably super pissed.
1: Well, or if I go to do that, and then, I don't know, maybe something goes wrong where I can't pair it with the keypad or something anymore, you know, then I've I've taken another step back for something that is kind of a nice to have like the, So the reason I've had my August locks in the past connected to home is because, you know, if I'm taking out the trash or something and then I'm, I'm walking back towards the house, if I can, you know, on my watch say, Hey, you know, who like unlock the front door when that works, you know, the, 70% of the time or so that it works. That's pretty nice. But but you need, you know, you need the lock connected to HomeKit for Siri to to recognize it. So anyway, yeah, as should... has been covered repeatedly on the show,
0: smart home stuff is terrible. Uh can I can I uh like red tape this or or like challenge that a little bit? is that is the is the stress or effort meant or required to set that up really easier than just typing in a code in the rare case that it locked before you got back
1: there well, so I actually have my lock to set to lock instantly oh. um it, it is kind of nice, so like you know if if I'm doing something where like say it's trash day, the cans are out on the street and I go to throw something away like as I'm walking back towards the house and I you know go to unlock the door like it's it's kind of nice to be able to do that instead of waiting until like, I get to the keypad entering the code and then unlocking the door not you know not a necessary thing but but again i mean home kit is just it, it's an advertised feature of this lock so it should just work but you mm-hmm.
0: know yeah yeah okay um all right and actually let's mm, oh no i'm not sure that fits into the apple stuff okay there are a few things uh there were we had we talked about the new apple event right last week we did uh two weeks ago yeah 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 um one of the complaints was that the hardware on the ipad uh was greatly outpacing the ipad software and uh uh, unknowing front of the show jason snell has been on the speed for a bit um and hopefully you can drop in a link to the um didn't he have a good article and i don't know if it was macworld or six colors or where he ended up posting it but um it was it was it was macworld yeah yeah, so throw a link to that. But I mean that that was good where um he laments kind of where Apple hasn't uh walked the walk by moving any of their pro apps to the iPad and the overall iOS 14 iPad OS 14 was kind of a non-starter and it was actually kind of in some ways a regression maybe, or just it didn't get some of the basic features that iOS 14 got. But basically uh German uh in Bloomberg has a scoop that um iOS 15 he didn't mention that it's gonna be a big uh upgrade for IPadOS, but at the very least, it'll maybe get some flexibility and um, usability tweaks for for the iPad, where it, it got none of that in you know, well, so, iOS 14.
1: So that that's actually why I dropped it in the thing, is because Gurman the past handful of years has been, in a way that almost nobody else is, has been plugged into the software side of things with Apple. Where, you know, most of what leaks out of Apple comes from, you know, things that Apple itself can't really control. So things that are out there in the supply chain, but software, you know, obviously that can stay basically internal to Apple. And so generally speaking, that stuff doesn't leak out in the same way that hardware stuff does. But, but German for a while now has, has been pretty plugged into iOS and Mac OS developments where. You know, generally, right around this time of year, if not a little bit earlier, he starts to write stories about you know basically what we're going to see at WWDC from a software perspective, and so you know that's what we've started to see this year. And the, I mean, the thing that caught my attention here is is just what you alluded to, which is that you know iPadOS is expected to get some updates, including things like an updated home screen, um, you know, which will include like enhanced widget support. But there's, you know, there's no mention of improved multitasking or a better external monitor support, like all of the things that people are now sort of clamoring for, especially with what the new iPad Pro is capable of. And so I, I don't know, I interpret that as sort of a potentially early sign that we're going to end up going through the exact same cycle that we've gone through the past three or so years now where there's like all this buildup and hype and expectation around what's going to happen with the iPad at WWDC only to find out that, you know, basically nothing's going to happen.
0: Well, I mean, what I would push back on is, I mean, you mentioned you, so you said uh, improvements to iPad multitasking and I, I guess my perspective would be how can you improve something that's already perfect? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, hmm, I don't know. Cause like I, it feels like it's, overdue like i like i'm not an ipad believer so like all um the ipad types who really really like this and are hoping for some amazing thing like i don't know like we maybe covered this last time when we were talking about the ipad pro briefly two weeks ago but i mean do do i guess let me ask you if if there were to be improvements to ipad do you think they're because they've already given multitasking on the ipad like they gave it a second go around didn't they like it got rethought fairly significantly in iPad, in iOS thirteen or twelve, right? Something like that, yeah. Do you th- do you, uh, do you think they're gonna redo it again? No, Mm-mm. no. Like, I... It's it just gonna stay kind of crappy forever until I don't, they, I mean, st- I d- they I don't know give about... in and put Windows on it, like Windows <laughs> the uh computing concept, not oh. Windows the OS.
1: I I mean I I mean I, I obviously don't know about forever, but I. I definitely think, especially with this German article, that we are headed towards a very minor iPad OS update. Like I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm look thinking back to the WWDC keynote last year, which of course was you know one of Apple's you know pre-recorded video things, and mm-hmm. like I remember the <laughs> the funniest thing about that video was that they just could not get through the iPad section fa- any faster. Like I, they just blew through that as fast as they possibly could. Like, Oh, we have to talk about the iPad. Okay. Um, I, I'm kind of expecting that to happen again this year, which is, which is really too bad because, you know, I mean, we, I mean, listen, we, we poke plenty of fun at the iPad on the show and I, I think rightfully so, but you know, I, at the same time, you know, Kidding aside, it it is really disappointing that Apple like you could probably make a pretty compelling case that the the iPad and especially the iPad Pro is some of the nicest hardware that Apple makes. And I think especially when you pair an iPad with something like the Magic Keyboard, it becomes a really, really interesting product, hardware wise. Mm. And it's Be- just it's just so let down by
0: the software. Uh, okay. I, 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 yes, but also it, uh, my my uh, complaint, I guess, would be that it becomes an interesting product because it basically becomes a Mac. Like it, but this, it's been let by the let down by the software. But I guess have we had the debate of like, is there, will, would Apple ever do a Microsoft surface based like product? Do you I, don't think, that would ever I
1: don't think so. I think they very much have a philosophy that they build similar but different operating systems for different classes of their products. That seems to be something that's very fundamental to the way that that Apple thinks about their their operating systems
0: hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just don't know how much longer that's sustainable for, because cause when they branched out and made iPad OS a separate thing from iOS, like it felt like it was going to take a different direction. But now that the Max Run Arm and Big Sur was a fair, I mean, I, I'm I still haven't used it because I'm still afraid to install it. But um, I I I feel like they maybe have a have an out of saying, "Hey, iPad, will maybe get." Well, no, I'm talking myself out of this idea. But I feel like they have to at some point, like they they're unwilling to add complexity to the iPad, but the people who like the iPad for advanced uses, it kind of feels like they're maybe hitting a wall with it. And they have seen that people when they make the Macs not stink. Like when they when they actually care about the Mac and try to make it interesting and add new processors to it and update it fairly frequently and don't sell something that has a on day one defective keyboard that like people want it and will buy it as we will talk about in their results but like i don't know like it it feels like there's got to be a point where yeah i don't know just read jason's article like of of having i forget exactly i don't know if it was upgrade but where there was the conversation of kind of what is eventually the point of having two different things on your desk that do mostly the same thing and it's mostly at that point a personal preference discussion on what device you might want that work to happen on I don't know
1: i mean the the thing that's just so confusing is that it's not as if apple doesn't know how to make great software and specifically Mm -hmm. really solid operating systems well i mean yes yes yeah i mean like when you think about the the iphone and in ios specifically like there's just there's not a lot there that's glaringly missing or which doesn't work the way you'd expect it to and you know it took it took apple a long time to get there on the iphone i mean (laughs) i mean remember there was no you know background processes like i I mean there was a lot that was missing from i guess well i guess it was iphone os initially but what eventually became ios but you know it's 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 gotten there now and we're, like, to the point where, like, when I think about iOS in the context of, or when I think about iOS, rather, in, in the context of iOS 15, unlike with the iPad, there's not really, like, anything that I could think of that's, like, something that they have to do in the next version of iOS. Because, like, I don't know, for me, it seems like iOS kind of does what I want it to do and has what I want it to have. And, I mean, basically the same thing with the Mac as well. So it's it's just weird that Apple can't basically execute at the same level on the iPad, which, again, I think you could argue is between the iPhone, a Mac, and the iPad, like I I think you could make a case that the iPad is is potentially the most capable product that Apple okay. makes.
0: I, I thought you were going to say the iPad was the least essential of the three.
1: Well, oh, but it, but only because, because of its software. software. But I, but I mean that, be, especially because Apple's largely solved the keyboard and mouse story on the iPad. They have the potential to solve the you know external display problem on the iPad, and you combine that with the touchscreen, and it's like you've got all the hardware capability to make. The most interesting device they make and they just they just let it down by its software
0: i yeah we, we gotta we got move on but I, mean, I I i think that's true but i guess my my counterpoint or to to be the person in the apple meetings that's keeping them on the same track that they've always been how many people would benefit from that like i mean you and i and like in the ipad people would it would it would make sense for but Like, if you made the iPad more capable but therefore added some more complexity to it, wouldn't that also... Like, I I can hear somebody in the meeting saying, well, but the people who just use the iPad as a thing to watch Netflix on, to sometimes do FaceTime, and to check email, like, it's going to be a worse experience likely for them. So I guess, like, I mean, is is it a lack of courage or is it a... (laughs) I didn't mean it that way, but uh, is, it, is it is it a lack again? Phil Schiller, Icarus, uh, he's all over the place. But uh, is it that, or is it a preservation of uh, the illusion of simplicity that the iPad offers for less complex workflows? Because those are the vast majority of customers.
1: But see, I don't, I don't think it's one or the other. And to me, I look at something like shortcuts as being a great example of something where Apple added a ton of capability to their platforms. And also to I me, mean, to be honest, a, a ton of complexity, like it's I mean, mostly because I haven't taken the time, but like, I don't really understand how shortcuts work. Like I couldn't sit there <laughs> and, and write a very interesting shortcut on my own without, you know, investing a lot of time into that, which, you know, but it, but it doesn't matter because shortcuts I can basically just put to the side and use it for a couple of lightweight things that I do, and and then that's that's it. And the people who are the you know Federicos of the world who want to just go you know nuts with it and make all kinds of cool stuff, like great, that's there. But for the people who aren't interested in that, like me, it doesn't impact what else I do with you know my iPhone and iPad, etc. So. I think if Apple were to introduce a more capable multitasking system, or if they were to um, build in better external display support, I mean, those two things are in a lot of ways related, but I don't necessarily think by introducing that they would be compromising the ease of use of an iPad.
0: I think a lot of that makes sense, but they would have to do it better than they have now. Because I mean, I do have real world experience where you will have people who will... Just They will have somehow have gotten two apps stuck together or who, you know, on the, because iP- I, I, again, we've talked, we've talked about it where anytime I try to use the iPad and I try to figure out how to do split screen between apps, I always have to Google it because I never remember how, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the way to do it is you swipe up more slowly on the, iP- on the bottom of the screen to somehow bring up the dock and then you drag an app out of the dock.
1: I, I think I, I've told you in the past that when you figure it out, <laughs> you tell me and then.
0: Okay. Well, I think that's how it's done. And I'm like, no, I, I will frequently see people who will be like, well, no, like somehow Safari and mail is always open together. And, I, and, and fuck all if I know how to undo that. Or like, like I, I think we've, we've gone like, there, I don't think most people understand how it works. Like there are the Federicos that know how exactly to do the incantations to get, two apps side by side and you could somehow get messages or slack to be in like the corner for some reason. But I think a lot of people kind of don't know how that works. And sometimes they will just frustratedly just swipe up from the bottom as many times as they can to somehow make their iPad be an iPad again. So I, I I, I don't know what the right answer is, but I do feel like my theory is sort of, I think it might be that because otherwise, and this dovetails perfectly into and you'll throw a link in the show notes to the, the, um, nested verge article that we have there is that kind of this goes back to i mean this goes back to what i want well i'm sorry just to step back the verge article is called put mac os or sorry put os 10 on the ipad you cowards um and that's kind of the thing where i guess my take on that would be make a make a microsoft surface like make make a not a convertible laptop but make a a, a, a very efficient mac laptop that you can Like sell, make the Magic Keyboard cost five hundred dollars, but just give me a Mac where the few times I want it to be like a kitchen computer, or I want to detach it, or maybe do Lightroom stuff without a keyboard. Like, just make that work. Like, I feel like if Apple cared enough or or put enough effort behind it, they could make a really kick-ass Microsoft Surface-style thing, and that would allow them to keep the iPad light. But I don't know like it cuz i i just don't think they're going to put enough resources to make the ipad a really really powerful and not powerful in terms of uh, hardware capability but like powerful in terms of a rich software and an extensible experience in that way for what will probably be a fairly small number of people that would actually ever use it like i think the people if you were to poll the audience like of of all ipad users The number of people who have ever, who who once a month or more, use two apps side by side on the iPad is probably below fifteen percent, right?
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Yeah, so I'm not sure they're willing to make the investment, and I'm actually not sure that that's that bad of a bet on them. But that means they need to make the Mac way more interesting.
1: So that's actually um, that's an interesting perspective. I guess, follow me here, but like the analogy I'd make is something like the iPhone mini, which is something that I feel like many, many people in the kind of T-word bubble or the Apple circles were were clamoring for. But I think as sales have kind of proven out, or at least kind of reports of sales have proven out, it's not really what the general public is interested in. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, that could very well be the case with what we're talking about with the iPad here, which is that, you know, <laughs> 95% of people who buy an iPad are are perfectly fine with its software capabilities, but it's, it's the people kind of, you know, in, in our T word circles who, who aren't, but that's not really, that's not enough for Apple to completely rethink the way software works on the iPad.
0: Yeah. Oh no. That, that, well put. I think that that supports my case. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, I I mean, I guess I, I, uh, the flip side of that, I'd say, and I mean, Apple's never going to do this. This, you know, I I know this isn't going to happen, but it does really seem like it'd be cool if you could just dual boot an iPad. Like if you could just kind of switch between.
0: But would it I, though? Because I guess my 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 the, my to put cold water on that is. But then would you be comfortable enough with that where you wouldn't want a Mac laptop anymore? I don't think that's the case. So do you now therefore have like a third OS ten computer to like hopefully have Dropbox sync your stuff to?
1: Like, I mean, because like... I think, no, I so I think with a Magic Keyboard and the ability to run, you know, actual Mac OS, I think I could... I mean, probably not still for, like, my day-to-day work, but, like, for for a trip, you know, for a a week vacation, let's say, I could probably then just take an iPad. Because, like, when I think about my reservation behind just taking an iPad on a trip and and why, you know, well, (laughs) not so much last year, but, like, back when I was, you know, traveling more, why I would never really consider just taking an iPad... Is, is just because of software. Like, I just didn't really trust, you know, iOS or iPadOS to be my only operating system to be able to, to do stuff inside of.
0: But again, uh, more cold water is if you're at... So why would you want to take an iPad? Because if, if you're at the point where you're saying an iPad 11-inch Pro with a Magic Keyboard, there's not any weight savings at that point. So I guess I'm not sure what the advantage is at that point.
1: Well, yeah, I mean that's that is a fair point. And that's something like, that we've that we've also been harping on this show, which is especially with like a modern MacBook Air, it seems like you're kind of just, you know, you're better you know, like, off taking that.
0: Yeah, I mean because like I can get I can get behind it if you were like, hey, I could just take the iPad and I could use OS ten as like a like again, like a service, like use it as a touch device or a touch situation. But if you now are saying uh, yes, if if the iPad was powerful enough and ran OS ten, that I could kind of switch environments between and also carry around the Magic Keyboard. I mean, if you're traveling, I'm not sure. I guess how much would you be using the iPad as like kind of a low friction computer versus just doing having a laptop and having your phone? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, interesting thought thought experiments. Um, and. That took way longer than I thought it would. Okay, <laughs> um, we will, because hopefully we won't have a tight episode this week. We will. Uh, please don't forget, but we're going to kick uh, sleep technology stuff down the down the road a bit. So okay. we'll, we'll see that in a while. Um, actually, we have two things here. Did we? Did you ever give your on the record review of the kind candy bars, Ooh. frozen candy bars?
1: No, that that's okay. happened.
0: During the two week period since we last recorded, okay, so I will give you a minute to kind of collect your thoughts and your excitement and I will give another similar uh in in the same um in the in the same uh ecosphere same same product family that's what I was looking for thank you <laughs> um yeah this this is, this is um this is, uh, there's a thread radio in this thing yeah. <laughs> um so at at the trader Joe's there is a um well, this was a referral from, or a product suggestion from the Trader Joe's subreddit. It's called, they've had a little things called Hold the Cone, and I don't know what the joke is, but this product name, Uh, but they're ice cream cones, hold and they're the, very, very small.
1: It rhymes with hold the phone, I think, is is probably what they're going
0: for. But I don't, yeah, I, I, did, I didn't think about that, but that also doesn't, so that still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, it's got an exclamation mark or point at the end. Um. So actually, maybe it is. Uh, but anyway, they're very—I'm not gonna say healthy, but um, three of them is still like 280 calories. And I don't Jesus, know what the what, what's a what's a serving size. One of the cones. Oh, three, three cones. Three cones is a serving size. Yeah, they're tiny. Oh, okay. Um, so that's the thing where I don't want three of them at a time. So I will have a one or maybe two. Um, so therefore, like that, it's a very good portion control type thing. But there's a new uh varietal or flavor or, or whatever, um, because ice creams come in varietals, right? Sure. Um, that is coffee bean hold mm. the cone, and these I think I peer pressured you into getting the um, it's, it was it was brownie coffee oh, those are, ice those cream are, sandwiches.
1: So I mean. To, Am I, to- <laughs> To tell you how good those are, or to emphasize like how excited I was about those, I think I've alluded to this on the show before, you know, since, since everything got real bad, you know, last year, I've only been to a Trader (laughs) Joe's, adding a, adding a timestamp to that because
0: that can be used a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've only been to a Trader Joe's one time. Mm -hmm. So I've been to a Trader Joe's once in like the past 15 months now. Mm -hmm. And one of the main reasons I wanted to go was, was to try these these brownie coffee ice cream sandwich things and they they are tremendously good
0: mm. so continue. The, the official marketing name of them is brownie coffee ice cream sandwiches and the nice thing is is one they're very um they're perfectly sized right there's mm. it's it's not too big but also not too little where it leaves you wanting more um and also uh overall health wise mm, 16 bad. grams of sugar not horrible for you right um so yeah, they're delicious, but mm-hmm. there is uh yeah, the follow on to that or the, you know, the iPad nano to the iPad mini of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These analogies aren't working. Um, it is, are these hold the cone coffee bean ice cream ones and they're, they're delicious. Um, and I would strongly recommend, um, people go pick them up. I also have several other Trader Joe's picks, but those might be for another week. Actually, you know what? Also, while you're there, go pick up some spicy mochi rice nuggets uh little uh i don't even know what they'd be called they're not crackers a little there's little thingies and they're delicious but it's one of those problems where the bag is like five to six servings and the realistic serving size is, or the realistic serving capacity of the bag is maybe one to one and a half so <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. going starting to go to trader joe's again is um one of those little little pleasures in life that i'm looking
0: forward to uh getting back to here soon Mm -hmm. all right and then another recommendation um i had made before wait did
1: did you did did i black out did you actually give your your formal review
0: of the oh wait that's 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 the review (laughs) yeah they're good i mean i don't because i I think on a prior episode i stole a a rating scale from another podcast which i'm trying not to steal as much content um but no they're good i mean they're again my, my review is like is that they're they're very good it, they're great for portion control and, and they're they're tiny and they're they're cute little ice cream sandwiches but mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah trying to do less of that but yeah they're good good oh but yeah but i think this was maybe a pick of the week from two or three weeks ago which were um so kind um uh, famous makers of granola and you know what i'm gonna say some some b plus energy bars they're mm-hmm. not or not protein bars whatever they're called because you have uh at the very bottom of the barrel you have the cliff bars like the, the canonical like de facto cliff bars are one step above earthquake kit food <laughs> that's
1: hmm. yeah that's that's pretty good
0: and um they also make and again i can't have these anymore but uh, they have um they have like cliff bar with whey protein and again i'm i'm not somebody i, I don't i don't i don't you're
1: not I, looking you're not looking for your your big gains i want to
0: get swole but i don't <laughs> want to get um i'm not somebody who i'm not somebody who does drugs i don't take pre workout which apparently is a thing that uh young people do i i i did that for a little while yeah and then i'm not you just that. got jittery and and
1: just i got uh, i got jittery and my stomach was upset <laughs> And I would, and I would, you know, back in my younger days, especially like, you know, I, I try to, you know, go work out like at nine o'clock at night. So, you know, I'm, I'm drinking this stuff at, you know, eight o'clock and it's, I think it even says right on the packaging, it's like, Hey, if you're looking to go to sleep, like in the next six, seven hours, you know, don't
0: don't take this stuff. Or just on the bottom, it says, surgeon general's warning. This (laughs) Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't like it. Again, uh, uh, drugs are bad, kids, and just, I, I don't know, because that all that stuff is is basically just a bunch of horrible stuff for you and just a shit ton of caffeine, right? And I'm willing to sell people coffee, uh, espresso shots, um, for way cheaper than that one guy. I forget what his name is. The guy who in the bubble was making coffee for people.
1: Oh, but, Jimmy Beller. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I, I, again, I will not sell you twenty dollars espresso shots. I will sell them for, uh, seven dollars on Square Cash or nine dollars if you make me use Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so kind bar they 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 make some b plus um protein bars they're not cliff bar disgusting they're not amazing but they're they're solid but then when i was at the uh at target um on one of the end caps i saw that there was something new there which is uh they're called kind frozen treats or bars what are they called what's the marketing name treat bars of oh, <laughs> both of them <laughs> <laughs> uh, the trademark name kind frozen treat bars find your snacks um and you pick these up and i think they might have been uh, a winner in your household
1: uh well with with this half of the household yes oh hmm. um yeah the the lady friend is very she doesn't like nuts in any of her desserts it's just kind of a thing huh. of hers um but nuts every, every other time of the day are fine sure yeah Hmm. Hmm. um meanwhile you know i'm that's totally fine by me um so yeah i i thought these things were really really good and i think serve a similar purpose that i imagine something like these hold the cone things do which is like for a night where you know i just want like a little something sweet like i'm not super hungry still and i i don't I don't want some like, you know, big dessert, but I just, mm-hmm. I just want something a little sweet after dinner. It just, it, it fits that perfectly because they're just like you were describing also the, um, those brownie ice cream sandwich things, you know, these kind bars are not, they're not big, but I wouldn't say that they're too small either. Like they're just kind of the the perfect size.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they, the texture-wise, I don't know, I, I, think, I think they're really interesting, where you've got like this really kind of soft ice cream-type thing, but then you've got the crunch of the <laughs> peanuts. It's it's good.
0: Type thing? mm mm-hmm. um, Yeah, it's very true. I mean, I, I the texture, I mean, I, I guess it's probably lost on me a little bit, because I, I uh, will cut them up with a knife and fork, but... um What? We've covered it. The only proper way to eat an ice cream sandwich is with a knife and fork. Moving on. Wait, we, this has we, been a, we have, we've we talked about not, on the show, have we? Yes, it's the only. With me? Proper, are you sure? I promise it was in the show description. Un, only uncivilized people. You 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 eat an ice cream sandwich like you do a good steak.
1: Oh, you're a covered. Mon- this you're a monster.
0: We've covered this. Uh, you wait. So the,
1: you eat those brownie things with a fork and a knife?
0: Yeah, I I I would. Oh uh, yeah, obviously. Oh my god it's called it's called class <laughs> huh. um okay we, again we've covered this go go look it up it's it's i think it's probably like six episodes after you didn't give uh, a tip to uh for a gin and tonic how dare you you brought it up uh like 40 minutes ago i don't know if it was on the show or not <laughs> <laughs> i think it was yeah all right, people can go rewind or go look at the chapter markers, which I don't know if exists on this show. I
1: wait. I haven't. I've never done this. Sorry.
0: Oh, it's fine. I assume every every four minutes there's custom album artwork because this is very cold. <laughs> with the kind bars. Uh, wow, well, we're not gonna talk about anything this week. Uh, with the kind bars, um, also because of the size, and also maybe because they're doing some uh, kind of stevia business, um, they only have eight grams of sugar. It's pretty good. So, solid. Um. Okay, I think we're out of follow up, or we're out of uh, the, because oh no, we have another product review. Okay, so uh, cue the stiller sparkling theme music, which is just uh, Taylor Swift's songs on repeat. You, well, yeah, so apparently, well, I won't, I won't run the joke. So you, you, you picked up something that was very upsetting and sent it over the internet.
1: <laughs> so we've we've mentioned these on the show before. I've been kind of intrigued by them. Um, and, you know, just because I'm, I've been feeling, feeling a little more frisky lately, I guess I, (laughs) I, um, finally decided to give these a try and these are the soda stream bubbly drops, which are, you know, one of the million different types of sugar free, all natural, um uh Flavor things that you can get for your soda
0: stream. Quick point of order or clarification because mm-hmm. I'm unfamiliar with soda stream. When you, because I know, I've seen that they have like thing where you could basically make like uh, a bootleg Coca Cola in your soda stream. Yeah. Is there like a, do you just like put that in like the base of the, like that two liter thing that you're going to not brew, but that you're going <laughs> to carbonate your water into? Or is there like a thing where it like injects it? How, how does a flavor pack on a soda stream work?
1: It's surprising they haven't made a version that that does inject these flavors. It seems like that'd be something they do, uh, but no. the The way that it works is you carbonate your water like normal with with no flavoring added, and then you you add the flavoring after the fact.
0: And then they just, but since it's carbonated, you can't shake it really.
1: Well, you, you do the thing that you have to that you have to do with other carbonated stuff occasionally, which is you you sort of. You know, lightly flip it around to kind of mix it a bit. I
0: feel like you wouldn't get uh, a good, um, good flavor distribution. Uh, That that part that part's not the problem. (laughs) Let's put it that way. (laughs) Wait, wait, oh, just you talk about like the fact that, like, I assume if you buy the like knockoff Coca Cola stuff for Soda Stream, it tastes like four day old uh, Ralph's (laughs) store brand like RC, like it's like, what was the Safeway have? It's refreshy. Like they, I assume it it tastes like really stale. Yeah. Yeah. um, Store brand soda.
1: Yeah. I've, I've never tried any of the soda flavored stuff. And in in general, I've tried very little of flavoring stuff at all. I mean, I'm, I'm someone with sparkling water where I'm, I'm perfectly fine with just, you know, plain old non-flavored sparkling water. So I, I think prior to these bubbly drop things, I think I've maybe tried—I don't know—one other Soda Stream flavor thing. Probably relatively shortly after we first got a Soda Stream four or five years ago. Um, so you know, normally I just don't put any flavor in these things, but you know, I just I thought I'd, I'd try these bubbly things out. Um, they come in like a million different flavors. I mean, there—I think there's like. 10 or 12 different flavors um i stuck with just kind of the the basics i got a lime and a lemon um the the first kind of funny thing about them was when i showed these to the lady friend you know i go like oh you know and they're sugar-free they're like all natural and she goes oh what's what's the ingredients and i thought oh that's actually that's kind of interesting question (laughs) so i i looked on the box and I, I, I'm not kidding. You, you, on the box, it says ingredients colon natural flavors, mm. and that's it.
0: Um, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> and,
1: and it. Yeah, okay. Which, which is particularly strange, given what I'm about to say, which is the problem with both of these the the lemon and the lime is they're very chemically tasting. Yeah. Because
0: um, was wasn't that the problem with our original or with yours specifically? I think you tried like the strawberry bubbly, which came in like a like a twenty ounce like, like just like a Coca Cola, right? Or, well, sorry, this is a Pepsi product, but you felt that it tasted very very artificial.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so we we tried the lemon one first, and right away the problem was even when you smelled it, like after putting it in the the water. It smelled exactly like Pledge, because <laughs> you know Pledge, like the the wood cleaners got like kind of that 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 fake lemony scent. Like this is this is exactly what exactly what it smelled like. Um, uh, and and to be honest, and the, the lady friend actually agreed with me on this. Like it didn't taste too bad. Like it tasted okay, <laughs> but Put it was. <laughs> but it was the the smell that was ju- that just kind of put you in that that mindset where it just wasn't very nice to drink
0: well, it's it's like uh like triaminic or cough syrup as a kid where you're like even if it doesn't taste that bad it's the smell that the smell that does you in and that makes you want to have like a 35 minute standoff with your parents and you don't want to drink it cause it
1: yeah exactly and then the, mm. so then the lime one smell wise was fine so we got past that hurdle on that. But then flavor-wise, it just, I don't know. It just didn't really, like, it didn't do a lot. Like, it kind of just didn't really taste like was a lot. It, was it kind of like a LaCroix, where the flavor is very faint? But but much, much more faint than a LaCroix. Mm-hmm. I, I know what you, you're saying about but LaCroix. You just but you add, add more drops then? You could, I guess. but But I think the problem you'd run into is that even using the recommended amount, which I did, even though the flavor is faint, the aftertaste is is very chemically and not very pleasant. It has which, a poor it, it has a poor finish. It has a poor finish, which I assume would be <laughs> exacerbated if I added more drops.
0: Well, because you're saying you basically said that you're drinking pledge also. So <laughs> <laughs> which generally provides a very good finish. Um that's that's rough. Um yeah. Mm. So the,
1: so these are not, I would not say these are an outright disaster or gross, but they, like given the choice, like if you said, hey, here's a canister of just regular ass soda stream water, you know, no flavoring, or here's one with some lemon pledge bubbly drops. I, I, would,
0: I would just yeah. want the, the regular one. Can we can we make it super clear that you're angling super hard for this to you win the the show title thing this week? Is that what you're <laughs> pushing hard for? That's that's most weeks I kind of just try to game
1: things so that I get the show title. Yeah.
0: Uh, what was it? A lemon? yeah. Uh, already, we already lost it. Le- okay, lemon. Well. L- lemon pledge. Lemon pledge. Bubbly drops. I think. Yeah. Sure. Okay. We'll give you half credit for that. Or we'll or we'll, <laughs> we'll we can go back to the tape and figure that out yeah it's too bad uh, we're not recording yeah whatever uh, the NSA is with <laughs> guys doing, doing good work um, Uh. yeah so real quick can you take a time marker or just use the overcla- overcast clipping feature and can you send this to uh, like the CEO of Pepsi because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure for context this has not been a rave review <laughs> no no I feel, like gonna, gonna be... tried, I feel like you're trying to be very even handed um, but this is it feels like you're reviewing like the initial rollout of healthcare.gov and this is not sorry I'm catching up on some 538 podcasts, so it's fresh in my mind I um, <laughs> it's not a seller review
1: no I. so I mentioned a few minutes ago that they they make quite a few different flavors of these I, there's 10 or 12 or something like that I won't be
0: trying any of the other flavors I don't think <laughs> they have not given so like where i feel like with the kind uh the kind frozen treat bars you you are you are game to maybe see another um because we i don't think we mentioned that you got the is it just the peanut butter and jerk chocolate right mm-hmm. yeah you got the, you got the probably the, the the one that's most likely to be a crowd pleaser but there's enough goodwill that you can put on the books for um that brand where you're willing to venture out into the the other ones but oh yeah that sounds sounds like this is not happening with um the no. b b u b l y drops correct yeah oh, you, would have, you would have thought uh michael has some pretty good tasting notes but i guess he's only good at music <laughs> okay um yeah okay so we can blow through a couple of these um clipper card Tease us a few weeks. Well, we talked about it when it originally when the interest form came out and uh the SFMTA uh talked about the fact that Clipper was going to be available uh, as an Apple Pay virtual card soon. Uh haven't had a chance to test it out, but um I now have in my Apple wallet a big thing that tells me I'm an adult and uh I can allegedly pay on uh, Clipper now, which is pretty pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so I mean I I you know likewise um, unfortunately have not had you know used to actually try this but i guess what we can speak to is the setup process which is really neat like you literally hold your physical clipper card like up to your iphone and i i mean in i guess in retrospect like obviously that's how it would work but um i don't know i was kind of struck by just kind of how neat that was
0: and, well, so a little bit of follow, or a little like real time follow up with that is that there, there's two ways to do it. So I initially downloaded the Clipper app, and you can either convert a physical card to Clipper, or you can just create a brand new one in the app. Oh, so I, so, so the way that
1: I did it, which was just through the wallet app, which is the smarter way to do it. Well, that didn't present me with any choice. And it, at the end of the, I don't even think it told me this would happen. I mean, I'm fine that it did, but at the end of the process, it just said, hey, your physical Clipper card is like no good now. Like your well, did this,
0: the thing on your phone is the only thing that will work. Well, so I have my, my phone in front of me and I, and I went to the wallet app. So one for the setup process, like, I mean, a pro tip is that you don't need the Clipper app at all. It is kind of interesting how, where it gets kind of prime billing. Where I don't know if this is a geolocation thing, but... oh Well, no, because it's showing the Smart Trip card, which is the DC um, metro area one. But yeah, you just a Clipper card, and then you either choose an amount or you hit Transfer Existing Card. So I'm assuming you did the second one. I
1: mean, yeah, maybe... I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention and did something like that. But anyway, at the end of the process, when it said your physical Clipper card is no longer valid, I was like, oh, Okay. Like I, I didn't, <laughs> would have been
0: nice to know. I mean, just in uh, case this was just an experiment for you and your like commuter card was turned off, that would have been maybe not great. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm someone who, you know,
1: not that I think, I don't know if this will ever happen, but like if, if there, if the day does come where I have like the option of having my driver's license on my phone, like, you know, I will be the first one in line for that. Like I'm, I'm all about getting rid of a wallet. So I'm, I'm totally fine with, with the way that it went down with me, you know, basically um invalidating my physical clipper card but um mm-hmm. i just i was i was kind of surprised by that at the end of the process
0: yeah i know i've said this on multiple episodes but if that ever happens don't ever hand an unlocked phone to a cop <laughs> yeah I, I, and I mean that just as genuine life advice for anybody don't 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 ever do that um that's the one part about like actually that that's again we're running long so we we won't discuss this now but like when as people have like um do you have printed insurance cards in your car or do you rely on your phone for that
1: uh in my in my car yeah no i i have printed insurance cards yeah
0: like a lot of uh insurance companies will allow you to have like one on your phone again if you ever get pulled over don't again don't 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 show your insurance information on your phone and give and have like your photos app open and stuff like this just no Mm -hmm. but yeah but with this uh the clipper stuff yeah so that's that's interesting that it invalidates the current card but yeah you don't have to use the clipper app at all um the integration seems really neat and nice i'm kind of interested to see how it works in practice um and actually how you like how would you get charged for this Like, cause I mean, I were, cause the ferry, I don't, I don't, I ride the ferry like a couple times a year. Um, there's no monthly passport, right? It's just like $8 each way. It's just, it's just a standard deduction. Right. So, and I assume you had auto reload on your clipper card. Yeah. Do you just now like every once in a while, just get well, like when you start using it, would you just start getting a, like an Apple pay, like kind of like, you know how with Starbucks, it's like, Hey, you have to add 10 more dollars to this no no i i the way that i understand it
1: to work or the way i assume it works is that the back end stuff is all the same so like if i i mean i guess i could try this if i went to ClipperCard.com, like all my auto refill stuff with my whatever visa card i have associated with it like all that stuff is is still the same
0: i don't think that's true Or i mean just because like if if because like, now, if I, your physical gotta, card, gotta, if, if you're, this now like if your physical card doesn't work anymore, I feel like that means like your balance got transferred, but it literally did. everything is in is in the Apple Pay now. Because like if I go to my thing in the wallet, like it just says hey, like I because I just did it as a test, there's ten dollars on it. It just says add money. Like I, I don't think it's. I think you're now done with Clipper.com or whatever the website is or Clipper.gov. Dot, it's whatever cl- Clippercard.com.
1: Um. No, it, I'm I'm logged into my account now, and it it looks the same. It looks the same it always did.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Neat. I think. Oh, it, I guess. Maybe, hmm. Yeah.
1: It it just it just changed. It just changed the the. I don't know the. It just changed from a physical card to a virtual card, but the the back end stuff looks to be all the same.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: I mean, yeah. Again, I I hope someday. <laughs> somewhat soon-ish i'm able to actually try this but but we'll see
0: yep all right uh watch os man i do not like this feature um or in, in the way in the way it works because i somehow because i have to wear uh, a mask so much where my phone has uh I, I morphed my face to think i just always wear a mask so therefore it unlocks 80 percent of the time if i'm wearing a mask really? but yeah watch OS. Uh, it I, it, this is a longer conversation that we won't go into, but huh. yeah, it, it, the success rate is shockingly high. Where usually, huh. it, because you got three attempts to unlock your phone with a mask on or to, just to before it asks for your passcode, I never have to enter my passcode anymore, which kind of freaks me out and also makes me worry that it would work for almost anybody. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but so yeah, watch US 7.4. I feel like this was a scoop or like, I remember the first time I heard about this it was from uh, Tech JoJo. Um, where uh there's a beta feature where you could use your apple watch to unlock your phone assuming there was some uh close level of proximity and you would also you get a little um vibration on your watch letting you know that the unlock happened because of its proximity and there's a thing on screen that allows you to immediately relock the phone in case it was uh in error or something and yeah and this got released as part of watchOS 7.4 and iOS 14.5 and this came out last week. Have you had a chance to try it? I have, yeah. So th- yeah, this has been in beta
1: going back to February-ish um, but 14.5 and then you know, watchOS 7.4 went went live live uh, last week and I mean, this this is tremendously good like as somebody who I mean I, did, I don't wear a mask nearly as often as as you but you know who wears one enough to find it to be annoying to try to unlock my phone with one and who somebody who has a you know relatively long alphanumeric passcode um this is a really really handy feature and it it's a lot faster than I was expecting it to be mm-hmm. um I think in the early betas it was a little hit or miss with speed which to be honest like made a lot of sense to me and i wasn't really surprised or really even disappointed by but then you know by the time i started using it when it was actually you know live to everybody i was immediately struck by just how fast it is it's really not any slower than unlocking with face id um it's it's really really good so
0: two two thumbs up for this yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, a, a revised assessment. So yes, it is good for that because also the one downside is because of the uh, the face ID thing. Um, I I stepped down my um iPhone password security to a six digit number instead of alphanumeric uh, because of that inconvenience. But yeah, it's it's pretty fast. My only problem is that because my success rate with uh, with the mask on, it was actually slower instead of being almost instantaneous. It, mm. I would say, it takes three quarters of a second is that fair i don't
1: know i bet if you i bet if you redid your face id set, oh that, sure that would but I, I don't want to lose
0: that progress yeah um yeah i don't know it's 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 neat um i think it's i mean that's well it's well implemented i do like i mean if that encourages or people if uh, people to continue wearing masks or like i, I kind of wish it had happened earlier but yeah it's a pretty good well-baked feature i mean again there's i don't think there's anything negative possible to say about it but the the only thing that's
1: that's kind of strange about it still is that i'm still not used to it so i'm Mm -hmm. still i still have these moments where i'm wearing a mask and then i go to unlock my phone and i'm thinking like oh crap i gotta enter my passcode and then my phone just unlocks and i go wait what
0: oh yeah yeah it's got the the watch unlock thing yeah uh vaguely related um do you ever well actually this goes back to maybe your august thing where you, when you want to ask your phone to or when you want to ask your watch to do something by voice do you hold the crown or do you just raise to speak
1: a uh, little bit of a and a little bit of b
0: so i did not know that so raise to speak does not work with a mask mm.
1: Uh, well, it doesn't work without a mask
0: either but that's <laughs> a different story <laughs> i have found again okay, we, we've talked about my like uh leaving my phone home when i'm running and using my cellular apple watch as much as i can that's better uh uh using hey siri on uh power beats on cellular data the latency is like 20 seconds it's like insane how slow it is but if you use um if you take bluetooth out of the equation it gets better where Siri's response time is like three seconds instead. Yeah,
1: it's gonna say better, but not. Yeah, but uh, but somehow
0: yeah. like uh, uh, cellular and Bluetooth is just it's abysmal. One, you can the Powerbeats support Hey Siri, but it takes it like five seconds to. Resp- no, not you, not right now. I have Hey Siri turned off on the phone, but it it it's still triggered on the watch. Anyway, the the gist of this uh, convoluted story is that, um, Raise to speak actually works fairly well for me. Uh, but it does not. I, I guess the thing that detects if your face is next is close to it somehow, uh, either a fabric or like a KN95 mask. Um, it prevents that from working, which is interesting. I don't know what type of technology it's using to make that happen, but that is not compatible. I
1: think I actually have Raise to Wake turned off now. Like I, I was have it was so unreliable
0: for me. I just yeah. I think when it originally came out, it triggered itself accidentally a lot it's gotten better Hmm. and also it successfully working when you're not wearing a mask like a lot of times i will just have it throw something in my OmniFocus inbox list and it's it's good for that yeah uh sorry i was just playing around in the garden uh apple stuff uh let's do this do you do you care about the quarterly results or can you summarize that in 60 seconds because i feel like that's the least interesting part of this week with apple
1: I don't really think I have a ton interesting to say, I mean a strong you, I mean but you actually sort of alluded to this kind of offhandedly, I think earlier in the episode, which is that i mean amazing what happens when Apple shows a little bit of <laughs> love New and shit. care, yeah, <laughs> to a product line that's been neglected for a long
0: time, like computers it, are good and useful, turns out it, it turn- yeah, it turns out
1: um yeah, I mean the I mean, the M1 is, is tremendous. Like, I mean, we've, we've got all kinds of complaints with various things going on with Apple, but I I mean, the, the M1 is sort of just like unassailably great. Um, And so, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that Macs are up, you know, the iPhone 12 is, is really good. So makes sense that that's doing well, you know the iPad Pro is good and has been good for a while now so it makes sense that continues to do well um and you know i i think i think there, there's a lot to be excited about with with what apple is going to be continuing to do here on the mac with things like a potential M1 X or M2 you know i think the next couple iPhones will be will be interesting And, you know, as we talked about (laughs) longer than we anticipated earlier, I think there's untapped potential with with the iPad. So, um, yeah, it it is kind of amazing with how big Apple's become in a lot of ways. There's still probably a lot left that they can that they can continue to expand upon.
0: Yeah. And the only other thing I would say is actually uh, reusing a point that you made online offline, which was. I think, that, and you can put a link to the uh, Jason Snell um, charts rundown. But you you brought up that uh, the iPhone continues to shrink as a on a percentage basis of the company. And then and I I did not make a super uh, um, novel observation, but it's mostly that the they have figured out that if they pay attention to the other businesses, that the other businesses grow in size to uh, make it a more well-rounded company. So that even though iPhones are very important, and I think they like, I feel like they are maybe, until they make the folding phone, they are maybe kind of tapping out on how much they can push ASP on this type of thing, Um, where, yeah, it's going to be uh, growth and maturation of other businesses um, that still have untapped potential. Um, And hopefully, you know, maybe, hopefully, services takes a hit, which may be a decent transition.
1: Well, um, well yeah, I was going to say that I guess the other big takeaway from... The the pie chart that I was referring to with that iPhone observation that I actually didn't really <laughs> pick up on before, which is 19% services, second second biggest product or revenue category at, at Apple now, which I mean, which I guess has been the case for a while, but hmm. a fi- almost a fifth of the business.
0: That's, that's crazy. Yeah, it's easy when you ain't got no morals. <laughs> all right let's go let's all right i think that, that was a good way to tee it up um uh where's which what's what's the best place to frame it so there's two things so there's been over the past year brewing a whole lot of stuff with the app store specifically and also the anti-competitive and uh monopolistic way that apple uses um the fact that they run a walled garden and that there's only one way to conduct commerce on iOS devices, which is through the app store or there's weird carve outs. If you happen to have, uh, would Tim on a day, he was feeling good. Um, the two big news pieces are first, and we can, we can talk, we can talk about like the analysis side of stuff, um, in either way. But, uh, in the EU, uh, there was—I don't know if there was actually a fine levied or if it was just an initial finding of like whatever antitrust council they have. I'm—I'm I'm sorry, European people. I don't know what any of your stuff is called, but uh, they found that uh, Apple uses their monopolistic position—or sorry, their market position—with the App Store and how they have that set up in a monopolistic way, which is specifically designed to disadvantage uh, disadvantage competitors. The specific other company in this complaint, or the central one, was Spotify. And one of their things was they they found that one the thirty percent thing is kind of nonsense, but also because Apple also runs Apple Music, which is a newer product than Spotify, uh, that they were disadvantaging competitors for that specific reason. And I don't know; it's it's not it's not sentencing, but I don't know what the um uh fines slash corrective action or um, what the consequences are going to be. I don't know what that phase is called or when that'll happen, but that was the big thing that happened uh, early last week. And that kind of also coincides with, uh, on the other side of the pond, uh, in the Northern District of California, the Epic Games uh, Apple App Store trial started... Yesterday, Monday, something this week. So yeah, and that's that's had a whole ton of uh drip 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 of uh evidence being uh submitted, uh including tons and tons of internal emails um and also the written statements on both sides where <laughs> Apple has found uh weasley ways to try to assert why they are providing such a massive service to these companies and why their 30% cut is entirely justified. And the other side's explaining kind of why that isn't the case, but i for, to, for me the most interesting parts have been the emails that have come out but the emails uh, but, but hashtag but his emails <laughs> and by by him again it's Icarus it is, it's, it's uh old old Phil so well actually before we get, get into the epic stuff I know you I know you're not a Spotify user, and I feel like in our prior discussions you have been. L- not like not sympathetic to their thing, but I, actually, I think maybe you have been kind of unsympathetic. What is what is your read? What has been your read in the past? And what do you feel about this with Spotify versus Apple Music and kind of the dynamics at play?
1: I think music streaming tends to be kind of a generally unlikable <laughs> industry across the board. So i I can't say that I. Am you know pro anybody here? Like, streaming music is is kind of a mess across the board. I mean, everybody, everybody, Spotify and Apple are both you just sort of you know basically massive loss leaders.
0: Well, I mean, Spotify—that uh, is their business, so.
1: Well, it is, which is what, which is why I have lots of questions about Spotify. But well, if, a but... different topic.
0: <laughs> Okay. Well, if you could magically add thirty percent of your revenue back in, it feels like a a deal you'd want to make, maybe. Uh, but they haven't offered an uh, app in quite a while. But, anyway, but I feel like you you feel yeah you feel very little for Spotify. But I I just, again I'm a Spotify user. I feel like Spotify is a product made by people who actually like music, where Apple is most decidedly not. And um, I don't know. I just I feel like it's just when you make the exact same product. And the product, in a lot of ways, are fairly interchangeable, just because the product is a conduit to access stuff that is, for the most part, the same on every platform. So, therefore, if you own the platform, the platform being iOS and Apple products, and therefore, and and you don't have to pay your own thirty percent artificial tax on something, that basically means that you can. Exert your market power to basically crush competitors for absolutely no reason and it's not a fair fight. So I don't know. But, yeah, but the uh, the epic stuff is probably more interesting. So um of the email leaks, did you have one that was your fave? I I think the the Schiller stuff is really interesting.
1: Um around how I forget what exactly it was, but it was basically like When they reached a certain annual run rate, it was like what a billion dollars a year or something. Like once they reached that point, why couldn't they sort of ratchet down their percentage just to maintain that that run rate? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, I mean, which is funny for of so many different reasons, just including things like what we were talking about a few minutes ago around how services are now nineteen percent of Apple's business, and so how. Given the direction that the company's taken, and given how prominent services have become, how how different things would be if Apple would have adopted something like what Schiller is was proposing back then. Um, but I guess I don't know what I'm consistently struck by with not only this case but many other examples too, which is how many of these types of discussions happen over
0: email. Well, because I, how, so how can it not, or, or I, I like, because like anytime they, like you think about something that is kind of sensitive business, like, are you somehow only doing that over signal or like on, on like a phone call? Because like, well, I, I
1: mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not personally a good example of this, right? It's because I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to set policy for, <laughs> you know, a multi-billion dollar company, but, um, I don't know. Like, it seems like major decisions like this especially when you're someone at an executive level it just seems like throwing that into an email just i don't know is is i'm not saying it's like the wrong thing to do i guess i'm just surprised that that i'm just surprised that's the way that that business is done i guess is what i'm saying
0: I, i guess how else would it be done
1: I mean, maybe this is old fashioned, but like, I don't know. Isn't, <laughs> isn't this a, isn't this a conversation? Isn't Over this like a,
0: at the W? I mean,
1: oh, I mean, k- kind of, yeah. Like, isn't, isn't this a meeting? Isn't this a in-person conversation? I, I, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm always surprised. Like the, the, the Facebook stuff recently has been that way too, where some of the like Zuckerberg emails that were pulled up. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm kind of surprised that, that. That this I mean, is all just to. happening over email.
0: Yeah, it has to. I mean, cause I, yeah, okay. I, I assume in the future, like they're going to be able to subpoena uh, Slack logs and and Microsoft Teams. Like I assume it's all the same thing. Like I, I don't know how this gets released, but but, but I, I do want to read part of this because I, I forgot about this exact exchange and in, in you're right to call it out where. So Phil emails Eddie, again, first name basis. Food for thought. Do we think our 70-30 split will last forever? And keep in mind, this was... July of twenty eleven this is almost a decade ago uh I don't think that the seventy thirty will last unchanged forever. uh spoilers apparently it kind of does and then just as one thought, once we are making over a billion dollars a year in profit from the app store, is that enough to then think about a model where we ratchet down from seventy thirty to eighty twenty if we maintain a one billion a year run rate again, just food for thought, yeah, Pretty good um. Yeah. oh uh, chris all right so that's that's good and also this morning um and i don't know if i have a link for you but uh yeah the the netflix stuff of them in email saying what punitive actions do we want to take against netflix for uh if they don't play ball with uh the bullshit reasons that we try to make up for why in-app purchase is critical to their business like that
1: yeah, I mean, I guess I guess what I'm saying about the email thing is, I mean, it, it's sort of just it's surprising in a lot of ways, but I, I would say one of the, the major things is that it just feels like so much context and so much dialogue is lost when you're trying mm. to exchange these really, really key and important decisions asynchronously over email that I feel well, like If you were having a more real time conversation, you'd you'd be able to get a lot more of that context and a lot more of that
0: real time feedback. But what context is lost? Of we're making a lot of money, can we keep making lots of money? Like, I mean, I guess like the the outcome is not going to be any different. So, like, I guess like the only thing that this prevents is a clear defense of thinking, well, these are the rules and we can't really change them. Is that's no longer true, but we already knew that wasn't true. Like, I mean, yeah, I guess, like, uh, yeah. like it's, it, I would they have just like a whiteboard in Cupertino? Like, how would they organize the idea of, like, eh, here's the stuff that we can change, but we don't want it on the record unless.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not even. Yeah, I don't even know if I'm necessarily getting at trying to keep things like secret or something. It's just i just i don't know
0: like i mean i i totally get your point of like when you take an email out of context like you don't know what the prevailing discussion was at the time or where it's it's tough to put your finger on where the app store was a decade ago when when it's like the monolithic cash cow that it is but i think
1: but even but even in 2011 i think there would have been a recognition that the app store split was like a really key business decision. So I I, like what I'm saying is that, and I, and believe me, I'm not some like anti email person. Like I actually think email, I'm actually probably more pro email than like a lot of people. Like I think email in many contexts, especially with day-to-day operations of a business or is, is totally fine. Um, And actually I would say preferable to things like Slack in a lot of contexts, but I just don't I'm just not really like keen on having it be the main form of communication for really important things like this. Like it just seems I don't know. Like to, for for someone like Phil Schiller to to preface an email at what like 9:30 in the morning with something like food for thought just I don't know it's just weird to me, but yeah.
0: Anyway, I mean we're probably going to disagree on this, but um yeah there was also um uh this is also brought up a different one and I'll put a link in the show notes this was back this was uh, a controversy from last year this was in the um Amazon like ebooks antitrust thing uh where uh Steve Jobs basically Said that because they found a TV ad that they didn't like, where somebody was able to read a book on an iPhone and also like an Android tablet, that they're like, well, I guess we like need to put the screws to them and make sure that they're using our in-app purchase. Otherwise, you can't do it anymore. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, like, how I I don't know how you can't have that in email, but also like they're protecting. <sighs> I feel like I'm now I'm on Apple side sort of, but like I mean, it's it's their business but i like how the emails show how early on in the discussion when it was much more in a malleable uh form that they were thinking about kind of is because w- what was the thing of like jobs it was like hey we're, we're trying to run that store as like a cut uh with the cut even what's the what's the what's the phrase break even. Break, thank you. As a break in a yeah, break-even type of operation and that's why we think the 30% split is fair. But when you have so much commerce happening in that and you think about all the actions Apple is taking to prevent people from using any alternatives, being able to inform customers that any type of alternative exists. Like that's I don't know, I'm so I'm so happy these emails exist to prove that that's all absolute nonsense and bullshit. And that uh like I don't see how they win this. I don't I don't I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's I think that the point that you raised there is a really interesting one, which is how early Apple was thinking about this because <laughs> I mean there there had been concerns and questions around the way the app store operated and around things like apple's you know 30% cut early on but not not in the way that there is today where i mean it's become a very like mainstream issue well, so the it, the fact that apple was addressing this at at the highest levels of the company a decade ago is really interesting
0: well and to and to take a point that you made earlier and to kind of like if you, if you parallel parallelize this with kind of when you feel like the email's lack context think of this in uh, like so these emails were back from 2011 and think of how much apple has been talking about services revenue through all the intervening time and you then think of these emails and what's un in all the stuff that's unsaid of uh, how they've been thinking about this is no longer a break even business or even a business that throws off a billion a year in 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 profit that this is just a way that they can continue to use their stranglehold on application distribution, payment processing on the iPhone as a way to grow uh, services revenue, which it was uh, zero before. Like they used to sell mobile me subscriptions and stuff like that, or Dot .Mac or whatever the heck it was called, and AppleCare contracts. And now that, if we look at last quarter's results, is now 19% of, Is it, was that revenue or profit?
1: Revenue,
0: yeah, revenue. Uh, for a gigantic two trillion dollar company now. So I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm so excited to see how this plays out, and also to see how Apple. Here, okay. Here, sorry to, to derail the conversation, but this is the part of me that I've just been thinking. Anytime I read another one of these email drip drips, is that how is Apple going to spin the fact? Like, what what bullshit press release or WWDC presentation are they going to how are they going to spin it when they try to like now that they found they've flown too close to the sun and that they are getting like that they are going to get legislative restrictions or like they're going to find a way for government to get involved where they're either forced to make a change or they do it proactively to try to get ahead of it. So what, how do they phrase it as like, you know what, now this is the point in time where we need to give back to developers. Like they're going to have to do a small business program on steroids. Otherwise, every single country is going to legislate that there is a 15% maximum commission on digital app platforms or something like, I just can't put it into words. And I know it's going to be like the world's biggest hate read of how Apple tries to spin that they... Did the right thing at the very last moment possible before the government intervened?
1: I don't, yeah, I don't know I don't know what the framing would be, but I think the most obvious thing for them to do, which seems like it would make the greatest impact, is change the way their commission works in spaces that that they compete in. So, like, they're already sort of doing this, like, with, with Amazon, right? Where now Amazon, through its own app, can directly charge customers and not use Apple's payment system. Um, I think, you know, I could see them doing something similar for something like Spotify. And, you know, maybe even, like, games. Although games is is a little more ambiguous because... Apple doesn't directly compete with games like they do with mm. things like Apple music and, and Apple arcade kind of. Yeah. But it's that those aren't Apple's games and it's, they're not games you're directly buying they're just kind of bundled as part of the subscription service. It, it's, I don't know. It's a little, they're a little more of an indirect um, player in that space. But anyway, like you could see them announcing some type of um, program similar to what they have for Amazon. With like streaming music and basically just sort of like try and go about this in a way where they're identifying their biggest areas of exposure in terms of antitrust litigation and trying to appease those areas without changing the overall structure of the app store.
0: I feel like it's too late for that. Like, I mean, I, I was feeling that the, the easiest way from to deal with this would be that if you have subscription stuff, you no longer, you were you allowed to tell people to go elsewhere to make the subscription. Like they loosened up that dumb stuff where they would, re, uh, um, where Netflix has to operate a phone line to tell people that, hey, go to netflix.com to sign up. Like, I feel like that's easier. But like, because how are they going to frame that? They're going to say like, "Hey, if you're of a certain size and you are a subscription video provider, you can now what is it? Do like, because you still can't buy a Kindle book in directly in the app, right? It's right. just Amazon Prime Video that, right? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, I mean, because yeah, because like, that doesn't feel like enough to get the regulatory pressure off of them. We shall see.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. You got anything else or are you good?
1: Uh, you look at the thing. Um, you know, I think I think that's all the, the time sensitive stuff.
0: Yeah. All right. Chef specials.
1: All right. Um, so we've we've talked before on this show about how, you know, I've gone sort of all in on curbside pickup during the pandemic. And my pick this week is is targets. Drive up, pickup, which maybe's even been a chef special before. I don't. I don't even remember at this point. But been using it a little bit more lately. And of all the different curbside pickup experiences that everybody's been, you know, rolling out over the past year, especially there's there's continues to be the best. the app, The app is tremendous. The integration with Apple Pay is really good. They do a a nice job of telling you, you know clearly like what's in stock at your local store versus what's not. And they allow you to easily switch stores. And then the pickup process itself is, is really great with being able to say, Hey, I'm, I'm on my way. And you know, that, that does give them temporary location access, but I mean, I don't know. I don't, that doesn't really bother me. And by doing so you basically set it up so that, you know, someone comes out to meet you right at your car, right when you get there, which is great. So yeah, it's it's just top to bottom a, a really nice shopping experience.
0: Yeah, the, the Target app—that's actually one. That's a good point. Is that the the Apple Pay integration, even for just stuff that's going to get shipped to your home, is really good, even if you're not logged into a Target uh, account. So yeah, like the yeah, the app's pretty great.
1: Yeah the app the app is really really good.
0: Oh, cool. Um. So I will send you two links. So my pick is one that I've been using for a bit, and I don't think I've ever talked about on the show. Um, which there's an app called Days, where it's free with uh, in-app purchases that you can give Apple thirty percent of. Um, which I think it's like five bucks if you want to get the paid version of it, which uh, I always do, but. It's just a thing where if you have uh, an event or a certain like a vacation coming up or something where you just want to have a simple, easy countdown for it, this is an app that I've been looking for for a while, and I've tried a few, and most of them are either like they're either like super bare bones and it feels like kind of like a calculator app and it's just not very good, or they're all like super over the top and not good. I don't know. This one is dead simple to use. You can just put in a date or a time for, uh, for an event and you can have a nice little widget on like a secondary home screen and it can send you an alert like a week before or on the day of, and it's just a nice, really simple, uh, countdown widget, um, slash event calendar. So I'm trying to keep unessential stuff out of OmniFocus and I'm, and I'm failing at that. But, um, yeah, this, this app is a nice way to kind of make that a little bit easier. Yeah, the widgets
1: look really nice.
0: Yeah, and it integrates with, um, there's a website called Unsplash, which is a uh, way to get kind of royalty-free, uh, kind of nice uh, photography. And uh, yeah, so it automatically gives you a way. You don't have to go to Google Images or try to, try to find something appropriate. You can just do a keyword search and all that stuff's integrated really nicely and easily into the app. So, yeah, two thumbs up.